Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. I had to have been in like first or second, third, fourth grade. I don't know, sometime in that frame, but it was I remember it was before we moved to our new house. And we were buzz cutter. Like after so I had my first haircut when I was like one or some two, I don't know, and I looked dang cute. I had a sweet mullet even oh, back then. And it was I looked so studly. That's right. So then I rolled with the short on the top and party in the back, mm-hmm. you know, mullet through kindergarten. There's a picture out there. Why not? Someone's going to find one. And then uh, it was, I, maybe it was like third or fourth grade. We were getting ready to go camping and we were just straight buzz cut yep. all the time because it was free haircut. And my dad would always cut our hair. And, you know, he only cut our ears sometimes. Uh, so he would cut, he would buzz cut me. And well, one time he forgot to put guard the guard on. and he started on the front in uh, the middle. Oh, yep. And no, no guard, and there no was going no going back, so it all had to come off. Yep. So I had, I was like a third or fourth grader bald guy. in the summer, so it was right. not a big deal. You but put some bald third or fourth grader, and my mom came in and she started crying. <laughs> to this day, it was a, this was a funny up. story. So anyway, that is haircuts, but uh, I think we got some funny, good, not even funny, just real talk today, Josh. Let's real do talk. it. You ready for this? Start. All right. Well. Because we've already kind of done our intro, I'm just going to say that we're excited that you're here listening with us today, and welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. Today, we are celebrating, wait for it, 50 episodes. Yes, 50. It's hard to believe. That's crazy. You know, when, when we were talking about what should we do for our 50th episode, we realized, hey, people are 50. Some people, Some people are 50. Are 50 years old, right? <laughs> That's right. And it turns out they actually have opportunities that other people's don't. And we are going to share some of those opportunities today. Um, and those are opportunities above the aches and pains that they had when they were 40, uh, which you're getting dangerously close to. So let's, yes. not, let's not push that too far. Oof. And I'm feeling <laughs> aches and pains. So <laughs> exactly. increases from there. Exactly. I don't know what's going. Actually, what we're actually talking about is... Something magical happens in the financial world when you turn 50. It's magic. It is. And that is that once you hit age 50, the IRS actually allows you to make what they call catch-up contributions into retirement accounts. So you can only buy Heinz stock. That's right. Only catch-up contributions. No mustard. (laughs) No mustard. So the idea there is people in their 50s are closer to retirement than ever before, which is true every year, I guess. You're always one year closer, but in your 50s, you're kind of on the horizon, right? And so in order to enable them, if they're behind on their savings, they give them an additional, an opportunity to add additional amount in. And so how that breaks down is if you have a 401k plan or 403b, which is just the nonprofit side of the 401k world, in 2020 and in 2021, because the IRS has already come out with their updates, Anybody can put 19500 of their own money into the plan as long as they make that amount as well. You know, you have to have that earned income to put it in. But if you're 50, you get an additional 6500 catch-up contribution. All right? So, Boom. And that's on, so that's on, on top, top of, of the 19. Yep. So it's nice. So again, if you have the ability and you have the funds to do it, it allows you to put more money in pre-tax to grow tax-deferred, meaning no yep. tax while it grows. So it's a great opportunity. 
So that's 26,000 total. Then. Yes, 26,000 total. And so that's great. And every once in a while, the IRS moves that up. Um, so in 2019, uh, I believe you could put 19,000 in and it was 6,000 and they increased that catch up a little bit and the contribution. So periodically they adjust that for inflation. Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs. So if you have retirement accounts outside of a company plan, everybody's allowed to put 6,000 in this year and next year. If you're over 50, you get an extra $1,000 towards those accounts as well. And that's after-tax money that yep. grows tax... In a Roth IRA. In a, yeah, yes. in a Roth is going to be then tax-free. Tax-free. So, so you tax pay tax on it now, up. and then once the money goes in, there's no tax exactly. on that or the growth of that money. You can also do a traditional IRA, which is like a 401k. It's pre-tax. You get the deduction now yep. and pay tax later. And that's a lot of times what rollovers and stuff are going to be housed in yes. an yep. IRA, like mm-hmm. a rollover. Yep. So. And so a traditional IRA... And a rollover IRA, they're a little different in just what you can and can't put into them, but they both have the same tax treatment. Yep. If you would like more information on account types, we did an episode on that a while back, and we'll link that in the show notes. Yeah. So, Josh, you're always hammering me on these limits. I really feel like you're holding me back, and I feel like I don't like them. Yeah. So, uh, what are we going to do about that? So, like, obviously, speed limits, well, yeah. all those limits in your nah, life. Nah, not just, a big fan. They're, just hold me waste, back. Waste of time. Waste of time. Yeah, so... There's no free lunch, right? There's limits on especially these retirement accounts because of the benefits they offer, all right? And so so that the ultra-high net worth earners and those type of people just don't sock away so much money and never have to pay the tax on it and keep deferring tax far and far and far. They put limits on it, right? So although you know there is no free lunch, unless it's your birthday, some places give you mm. free lunch. We should but do lunch sometime. I'm it's hungry. probably built into the whole system, I'm yeah. sure. So maybe it's not free for everybody. But anyway, when it comes down to these tax advantage accounts, they have these limits for a reason. But the plus side is at 50, you get an increase in those limits. Right. So it's like having a speed limit for you, and then the trucks have to go slower, right? So on, on the highway, look at that example, right? Okay. 70 for you, 60 for the trucks. While right? we're on that, when I know that trucks move a lot of things that even I buy, but I really feel like it is it should be illegal for semi trucks to pass other semi trucks if they're going to in any way, shape, or form impede the rest of traffic moving. What about those new three lane highways where well, then you can do you it can in do two. That, as right? long as you got one lane that can Let zoom by, if you make anyone slow down, you should get a ticket. That's, That's if you make anybody slow exactly. down, you get a ticket. And I also, I feel this is while I'm on the things that bug me yes. and the regular, like that's a law. That's, I th- well, that's for 50s, right? It's exactly. 50, you start I'm getting cranky. There we go. So while I think that should be a law nationwide. I also think that it should be a law that trains cannot move during normal people driving times. Trains should go only at night and wide loads only at night. Okay. So these are the regulations. That would really slow down our economy because a lot of stuff gets moved during the day. But I know. All right. But but come on, people. My my moving my three person family right. between that's here and my parents' house I is way more important. Get out of the way, trains. Fifteen minutes, people. Yes. Fifteen minutes. Okay. While I'm off of that cranky old man horse. Yes. Uh yeah. So retirement. Yes. It seems like a long way away for young people. I would consider myself, you know, on the younger end of the spectrum there. For people a little older, it can seem a little bit closer. It can kind of seem like it's right around the corner. So that really gets me thinking, and maybe other people have the same question, how much do you need saved to retire? Ah, That's a great question. I have a dollar answer for you. Yes. I'm just kidding. It really Ah. depends. It depends. That's my quote, and that's where, you know, when we're talking financial planning, 
how much do I need really depends on how much do I plan on spending. Yep. So, you know, it's it's a hard one to answer. But what I can do is kind of give you some stats about where we're at here in the U.S. and then kind of some rules of thumb that we use in the industry to kind of use it as a high-level checkpoint of am I on pace for what I need. Right. But that doesn't replace having a good financial plan because that's yeah. key. I really need to know where am I going? Am I on the right track to get there? But if we just look at some stats, according to the survey by Trans America Center for Retirement Studies, which we'll link in the show notes, the median retirement savings for 50 is $117,000. Now, that I said median. Crazy. So that's middle. Middle. Like so, you space all of these millions of people out. Yeah. That's the middle number. Right. So Low, if, lowest to largest. Yeah. So if I have 11, number six is the median. There, right, right. Right. And so just so you understand, it's not the average or anything. It's the middle. So there's half or above, you know, the, that's just the middle number. Yeah. It doesn't matter how yeah, there big are, or far away they are. There are probably a handful of people with billions or whatever. And then there are a handful of people with nothing. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people yep. in the middle. So there's also a survey done a couple of years or actually last year by the Federal Reserve SCF data, which is part of the Federal Reserve, they show the average retirement savings. Or so mean. Mean. For thinking yeah, statistics it's not again. Like it's not nice, but it's, it's the <laughs> average. Is, it isn't nice. It We're going to get there. It's not nice. Uh, $146,000 is Woo! the average. So you take all those, add them together, divide by the number that's there. That's how you get an average. Yeah. I remember math class. Man, you're good. And th- so that's more of taking all the numbers. So if you have those outliers on either end, you're accounting for those. Yep. Whereas the median just shows you that middle number, regardless of how big a spread it is. Yep. So either way, that's depressing. If you think that's about 117 really or 146,000, you know, we're only talking, you know, less than a quarter of a million dollars. Yep. Now, I'm not going to say, I mean, 146,000 is a lot of money. I mean, that's, that's a good chunk of money. Yeah. But when you're talking about at 50 and most people are living into their 90s, that's 40 plus years that you're going to need to cover for, yeah. depending on when you tire, but exactly. you know, roughly 40 some years, that money won't last that, that time frame, or at least it'll be hard to, depending on what you're spending, what your lifestyle is. So Josh, now that we're sufficiently depressed that no mm-hmm. one saves enough for retirement, yes. anyone ever, yep. let's kind of put a goal to it. Yes. So what is a rule of thumb for people in their 50s? So kind of uh, in the same age group of the numbers we're looking at that we think look really bad and seem unlikely to comfortably retire, what's the the number you should be looking for? Yeah. So the rule of thumb in our industry, just kind of as a checkpoint, is you want six to seven times your salary in your 50s. So, you know, if I'm 50 years old, and let's say I make $50,000 because we're just going to stick with the five on, on everything. So $50,000, seven times 50000 is $350,000. Gotcha. So using that as a reference point, if I'm spending and savings, my normal rate, that's assuming about a 15% savings rate, I should have about $350,000 saved. And that would keep me on pace for when I do retire at my full retirement age of 67. I would have accumulated enough to be able to withdraw out of that portfolio to that plus Social Security be able to provide for a lifestyle similar to what I was experiencing while I was working. Right. So that's the rule of thumb. Again, everybody's different. Everybody's situation is different based on your spending levels, where you're at, high cost of living places, low cost of living, and what kind of benefits I get from Social Security if there's a reduction in anything, if I had a gap in my earnings history. So in general, though, just as a checkpoint, six to seven times my salary 
is what I need saved in my 50s. So to put that into perspective of what the average 50-some-year-old has saved, they probably have about a th- less than a third, or around a third of what they need saved. And that's only at a, that's only assuming you make $50,000. Like if you make more than that, you should have more saved mm-hmm. because your standard of living would be hard to maintain. So what we're, sh- what we're saying is there's a big shortfall Yes. On society, on retirement savings, needs versus wants, essentially. Yeah, and so what we're seeing is part of the reason why the IRS has those catch-up limits is this is around the time when a lot of people really start paying attention to it, and they start looking at where they're at. They they may have been saving up to this point, but really not factoring, am, am I doing enough? Right. And they may realize, man, I'm 50. I only have maybe 17 more years if I'm going to wait till full retirement age of Social Security. I'm behind, what What can I do? And so the IRS says, we'll allow some extra catch-up to try to get there. So, you know, an extra 6500 a year for 17 years, that'll add up plus compounding if you're invested. So, you know, you can do some impact. So it's not like it's a lost cause by any means. So right. I don't want to depress anybody from that standpoint. There's still time to catch back up. But a, one way to think of it is, a dollar saved in your 20s is like $10 saved in your 50s. Like exactly. It's, it just takes more money to save for what you the lack of growth potential. Even with the catch-up, you're still a little behind. You can't make up what you didn't save yes. yep. when you're younger. Yes. You're a little behind the eight ball. Yep. It is. It is, a, it is harder to. You can't. You can. You just have to put, put a hard. lot more of your own dollars mm-hmm. after it. Yep. yep. All right. So let's take a quick break. I got a dad joke for you. Try to lighten it up. Uh, so it's more of a saying for you. Just okay. kind of put it in there. Okay. Right? I don't trust stairs. You don't? I don't trust stairs. First of all, because my myself and my daughter, who inherited my clumsiness, trips on them all the time. And I tripped up them when we were walking oh, up. we did this morning. <laughs> we yeah. were on the Coming way up to in. the office, and I tripped up yep. the stairs. I have scuffs so. on all my dress shoes because of those, those stairs are yes. always in the way. Yes. But I don't trust them because they're always up to something. <laughs> they are always up they're to something. Right. So what do you think about escalators? Escalators? Yeah. They're dangerous. Have you seen some of those videos of people getting caught in escalators? No. <laughs> I actually know somebody who got their pant leg caught in an escalator and, and got hurt. True story. Actually hurt, so I can't I'm not laughing then. They're fine now. But oh, okay. it did it did hurt their I was leg pretty thinking, good. Like walking around Polaris with no pants on, not by choice. Yes, no, it was <laughs> it was worse than that. They hurt their leg, but um they they're okay now. But yeah, it's a scary story. Well, stairs are always something up to something, Josh. I'm gonna use that one. Yep. Mark my words. So Anything I should know if uh, I want to retire in my 50s, Josh? Yeah. So, you know, if you're one of those people who's done a great job of savings and you're looking at your goals and say, you know what? I have accumulated as much as I think I need to meet all my goals and live through that life expectancy. And I'm thinking of retiring in my 50s. There is one big factor you need to kind of keep aware of, which is before age 59 and a half, so half, half years. years are very important. Half birth, I think they really were like trying to push half birthdays. Yeah. Like They're in cahoots with new, the card companies. That's right. This whole new like holiday going or something. Yeah. I don't know. But a half birthday, 59 and a half. If you try to withdraw out of a retirement account, like a 401k or IRA account, there could be some additional tax penalties if you take it out before 59 and a half. And so just something to keep an eye on. And that's why we always say, you know, from a bucket standpoint, it's nice to have different types of buckets so that you have the ability to withdraw from different advantage or tax accounts. But 
the nice thing is again the IRS has acknowledged that there's op- there's situations where someone may be done before that you know 59 and a half age where they allow some 401k plans that have an early retirement age to take withdrawals out of the 401k without a penalty as long as they leave it there. So there's you know there's definitely opportunities to do that and I'm not going to go into all the details it's really dependent on the plan itself but there there are ways around it. But if you're young and working towards that thinking that based on what you're currently doing, you may want to be retired early. Starting to save some money in a just a taxable account, because there is no restrictions on that, may be a good idea to access for those first couple of years before 59 There's no limits. No limits. Woo! My jam. So I think sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a saying going around like, oh, you need a million dollars to retire. One million dollars. And then you can do whatever you want, and you're going to live like a king, and you can retire and be happy. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Maybe. It depends. Man, thought, you're everything. predictable. Oh, my goodness. So it, it is true, though, that can I retire with a million dollars? And I, this is what I tell clients when they ask is anybody can retire at any point in time. You just may not like what that lifestyle looks like, right? <laughs> so I could work one year and have saved $100. I could retire, but that withdrawal off the $100 is just not Very gonna low. Be, yeah, yeah. Not going to be as sustainable. So... Can you retire on a million dollars? Yeah. Can you retire on 500000 Yeah, you can retire. Yeah. But the idea is what can I expect to get out of that $1 million right. in retirement? So that factors a couple things. One is what age were you when retired? Because that depends on how much can I withdraw. Because the longer I need to take money out, the more conservative I have to be on my withdrawals to make yes. it last. So if we look at the average 30 to 40-year retirement, the withdrawal that our industry uses or has used in the past is a 4% withdrawal. So you may have heard about the 4% rule, which is just saying, based on however much money I have, I can start taking 4% out my first year, and then from then on, increase that by inflation, and I should be able to make that money last for the rest of my retirement. So if I have a million dollars, the first year I could take $40,000 out, 4% of a million dollars. So you might think, well, 40000 is not a lot of money. Well, Maybe I'm at Social Security age. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm getting another 20000 from Social Security. So I'm getting $60,000. Maybe that's close to what I was right. earning while I was working. Maybe you don't have a mortgage. Maybe there's no mortgage. Yeah. Maybe I have a pension at a, a retirement plan. Yep. You know, I was a teacher and I have their retirement. So it just depends on what else is there. But you know, a million dollars from a sustainable standpoint would be a 4% withdrawal of $40,000. And then the next year you'd increase that $40,000 by inflation. So if there, you know, you and you would just go from there. And so your money would increase so you'd be always spending the same amount of what you could buy. Yeah, your cost of, living, cost of living goes up, you you match yeah. your withdrawal from that. Yep. Those have been done historically. They've done a lot of research on that. The 4% rule came from based on again how how you're invested and how long you have. 30 to 40 years it was sustainable with a high probability of success. Yeah. Now, we're in a very low interest rate. So we've talked about that in some other episodes, just how cheap interest is, right? We talked about from a mortgage standpoint, right? Oh, how yeah. low interest rates are. Well, that goes the other way. Interest rates are very low for getting a mortgage. On the other end, you don't get anything from fixed income, anything that pays interest. Right. Yeah, so that 40% of the portfolio or whatever, if you're looking at a balanced portfolio in retirement, isn't earning exactly. much so at all. Y- people are finding they have to be more invested in stocks to get that same probability of returns. But there's a lot of research out there that says a lot of people have the ability to make adjustments along the way. They can adjust their spending, do different things um, so that you could actually withdraw a little higher if you have certain restrictions on your account type of things. So like 
if we have some bad years in the market, I will reduce my spending. But in the good years, I'll increase my spending a little more. You can withdraw oh, up to 5% or a little over. But in general, the rule is four. That's kind of the safer number yep. um, going forward. So again, that's a rule of thumb. It doesn't work for everybody. It also depends on you know your lifestyle, what you're expecting. And again, if you're retiring at 50, you know that could potentially be 50 plus years of retirement if you're right. going to live to 100 these plans are looking to 30, 40 years. So you really have to adjust that, be conservative. Yep. Why a plan always matters. Having a financial plan looking forward makes a big deal. And I think that million dollar figure that a lot of people have in their head, that's a, that probably at one point was a really, really conservative figure. Yep. Because living did not cost as much as it had, does today. 20 years ago, maybe a million dollars would have comfortably let most people have exactly what they needed. Yep. But the reality is that Everything's more expensive today. Housing's more expensive. Food's more expensive, yada, yada, yada. Healthcare is exponentially more expensive. Yep. And so that bogey kind of needed to move up over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have $1 million of 4% withdrawal, $2 million, 4% withdrawal, you're doubling that. So yep. just a matter of what is my expectation of spending in retirement, that becomes your target. So you could take that 4% and divide whatever your spending is to get that number, yep. right? So if you take 4% and divide it into $40,000, you get 1 million. And so that's how you can go backwards and say, how much, what's my target? Yep. So if I know I want to spend $60,000 a year, I can back into how much do I need to save to do that? And so again, if you're talking about kind of that rule of thumb, where do I need to be? You can go backwards that way too. say, okay, I know I want to spend X amount of dollars, so I need to save this much to, to get there. Okay, and if I have 20 years to get there, how much do I need to save per year? So you can go backwards into it. Yep. Um, and so there's there's a lot you can do with that, but it's a matter of either knowing how much you're going to spend or how much you can save to know where you're going to end up. Exactly. Whew, retirement, Josh. 50, being at 50 gives you some definite advantages. It is. But it does not let people who are younger off the hook. No, that's right. The more you save, the younger you are. The power of compounding is huge. It's huge. And so the if you start saving your 20s, by the time you get to your 50s, if you had been consistent at doing that, you're going to be in a lot better spot than those average and median that we're looking at. It'll give you the opportunity to make decisions that you want to do, not what you have to do. Exactly. Right? That's what we call the financial freedom, right? I want to be free from my finances controlling me. And so, yeah, the sooner you can start saving, the better. The sooner you can make the automative, we've talked about, make the automatic, save automatically straight over to my retirement accounts or whatever. Don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Just make it happen. Yeah, really, you know, working your way up to that kind of ballpark 15% of your income when you're young is going to put you in a great position. When you get to that 50 plus period where you're like, hey, I could think about retiring in five, 10 years, mm-hmm. you're going to be in a lot better shape. And, you know, we saw that this year in 2020 where, you know, some people were forced to stop working, whether it's due to where they're working, shutting down or health issues with family, things like that, where you don't know what the future holds. So if you can make some of those decisions as a younger person, it may free up that burden of the stress of, oh, what if I can't get another job, that type of thing with everything that's going on. And then on top of that, you know, the idea is when we talk about saving as a young person, increasing your savings is just as important. Because over time, everything goes up. And if I can continue to increase my savings rate, mm-hmm. it's going to help me keep my living expenses down and grow my savings. And so mm-hmm. we always say, if you get a raise, take a portion of that raise and add it to your savings right away. Yep. Don't even see that money come into your bank account. 
Uh, so we use the 50-50 rule. So there's another five. Look at that 50. Man, man 50, everything's 50. 50 related. The 50-50 rule is if I get a uh, 2% raise, I take 1% to my savings, 1% to my spending. If I get a 4% raise, 2% savings, 2%. Just half of my raise goes towards saving. The yeah. other half goes towards my spending. You still get to increase your standard of living, but not to the full extent. To the full extent, and your investments go up. Yep. And your standard of living does not go up as fast. So when you do retire, you're actually needing to spend less to maintain your same standard of living. Yep. So, so you that's know, a pretty good deal. You know, if you do that, and you know, if you let's say you get a four percent raise every year, and you consistently do that, you know, in ten years you just increase your savings by twenty percent. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So you're just moving it up slowly, and you you won't feel it as much as if you try to make a drastic change. Like at fifty, I got to find an extra sixty five hundred. You know, that's hard to do. Yeah. For anybody, and so. That's kind of the switch is, can I do that slowly over time and not feel it as much? Exactly. So, Josh, any closing thoughts on, on you know, looking at retirement when you're around 50 or just investing in general to plan for when that day comes? Yeah. So, if you're in your 50s and you haven't yet done a financial plan where you're looking at kind of where you're at and where your end goal is, I would encourage you to do that. You know, find a financial advisor who does financial planning and have them put together a retirement plan for you. That'd be huge. It'll help you with knowing where you're at, but you know, hopefully give you some peace of mind too that all that hard work is paying off and putting you in the right spot. And don't forget, uh, we have a free gift for you on our website. It's a brief list of eight principles of timeless investing. These are overarching investment themes meant to keep you on track to meet your long-term goals, including retirement, if that is what you so desire to do. So check that out. It is free on our website. Josh, how can people help us to continue to grow this podcast, to continue to uh, at least entertain people, but hopefully help people out? Yeah. So the first thing is subscribe. So that's how you knew we get episodes every Thursday. You get an alert or it shows up on your little, however you do your podcasting, it gives you the updated episode. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's great for us in that it helps us rank so that more people can find us. And then if you have any ideas, email us at hello at theinvestedads.com. We love talking about the ideas that you submit. Um, And then also, if you know somebody in their 50s and you think this would be beneficial to them, share this episode. If you know somebody younger and would like to encourage them to what they need to do to get there, please share this episode. Yeah. And so here we are, 50 episodes down, and uh, we're not turning back. So hopefully you guys tune in each and every Thursday, and we will talk to you next Thursday. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment.
any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.